Welcome to Modern Motherhood, where you're required to be everything to everyone all the time. We wouldn't have it any other way, but let's be honest, it's hard work. So let's talk about it, all of it, in the raw with no filter. Come and be a fly on the wall as you listen in on a chat between friends, as each week welcomes a new guest and a new topic to delve deeper around the ins and outs of not only motherhood, but life in general. The ups, the downs, the struggles, the highlights, the reality. Because the reality is, you're not alone. We're all in this together. You're listening to Mummy Republic. Welcome to the whirlwind. Hello, lovely, and welcome back to another episode of the Mummy Republic podcast. I'm your host, Danny, and I cannot wait to get stuck into today's story because I think it's going to be a topic that will be quite interesting to a lot of people. It's one that's been touched on a little bit more lately, but I think there's still a lot of lack of understanding. So before we get stuck into it, though, I do want to give a quick shout out to the lovely username Amy Lee 5 who left me a beautiful five-star review and comment over on the iTunes podcast app. She says, fave podcast so far in the podcast world. I'm not a mum, but I love listening to Danielle talk about interesting topics like she has. She is so engaging, her voice and content. While the podcasts are mum-specific, the things learned can pretty much apply to the average folk, which I love. Thanks, Danielle, for making my train trips to work a little less boring. Well, thank you so much for tuning in, hun. I really appreciate that amazing feedback. And as much as a lot of the topics are centred around mums, there are definitely a lot that can be translated to pretty much anybody, including men as well, which I think is really beneficial. Today's topic in particular is definitely not just centred towards the mamas. Now, if you would like to do the same, you can jump on over to the iTunes podcast app, leave me a rating and a review so you can let other users know what they're in for. And if you haven't done so already, you know the drill. Make sure that you click on that subscribe button so that you don't miss a thing. Now, today's guest is not a medical expert. She is talking about her own experience and her own journey when it comes to explant. We often hear a lot around people getting plastic surgery and the process that they go through to get there, but what happens when you want to get it reversed? Let's find out. Today's mama is a lifestyle blogger based on the Sunshine Coast who shares her family life alongside her health and fitness journey and is what I think a constant boost of positivity. She's also, we've just discovered, really good at wrangling wasps out of house. <laughs> Welcome to the beautiful Claudia. Natasha, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for that lovely introduction. Oh, no problem. Well, I think we've just um, found a new talent for you, adding it to your resume. Yes, I know. That was hilarious. <laughs> we were just about to record and then the wasp came in. Oh, I love it. Nothing like a bit of realism. Now, look, there's so many things that I could talk to you about and I think there's a potential for us to go down rabbit holes, but... Something that I do really want to explore is something that you've just recently gone through and you've been really quite open about, and that is your explant journey. So before we get into that whole process, I want to go all the way back to the beginning. When did you first have plastic surgery? 
So it was, I was 24 years old, um, October 2011 um, is when I decided that I wanted to get my boobs done and that was basically because um, I had had children and, you know, um, after breastfeeding for a while, um, you know, and all that jazz, your boobs obviously changed and I just wanted that confidence boost and I thought, yep, let's do it, I'm ready and... There you go. I didn't really think much of it. I just thought everyone else is doing it. Um, I know that they look great. And yeah, I did it. Yep. And that was after your first daughter. Yeah. So that was, I had my first child in 2009. Um, and then two years later, I decided to get them done. Yep. And how was that procedure? Um, so it was really straightforward. Um, I did it at the Gold Coast with um, one of a really good like a good surgeon down there who did one of my friends um and yeah it was I just went and stayed at the Gold Coast um you you just go in for your consultation um you try on some different implant sizes um and then you basically book it and you, you you do it and I just did it at a private hospital stayed there for two days and then I was back home and Six weeks later, I had a, a better chest. <laughs> and did you have any complications from the surgery? So with my surgery, I'm just like trying to think because it was so long ago. Um, everything was actually quite breezy. So um, I had my six-week follow-up and the surgeon was really happy. Um, and he even said to me that because um, I was really into fitness in the gym back then as well, um, I one of the first questions I asked was, how is this going to affect my training? Um, and he said, you know, you can basically resume everything back to normal. I could still do push-ups, chin-ups, everything. So I had no complications. Um, I didn't get capsular contracture, which is what you can get. Um, it's, it's like the hardening of scar tissue around the implant, um, and it's quite common. And, yeah, I didn't have any pain in training. Everything was actually a breeze at that time. Um, so for about two years, I didn't really have any anything going on. Mm-hmm. And since that point, you then had your second daughter, Sydney. How did you find, was there anything during pregnancy or post-birth impacted by having breast plants? Yeah, so that's actually a really good question. So um, when I had my implants put in, I obviously wasn't thinking about having children. Um, I just thought I was done. Um, And... Yeah, so when I did fall pregnant unexpectedly with Sydney, which was back in 2014, um, one of my first concerns was what's going to happen if I want to breastfeed? How's um, pregnancy going to impact um, my my breast implants? Um, So I had a midwife at the time and she basically said to me, like, with breastfeeding, um, it's just more about waiting and seeing. Some women can... Um, breastfeed successfully with breast implants some can't nobody really knows because of the type of procedure they had and different factors like that Um, so yes that was the first time I probably had a bit of an aha moment going oh I'm not sure if I want to have breast implants in while I'm breastfeeding Um, and yeah does that answer the question yeah Yeah. I I don't um, I don't know that much about implants but I know that sometimes they say whether it's under or over the muscle makes a difference did you how was that for you yes so I had mine under the muscle um so basically in terms of its 
um, contact near breast tissue, um, it's probably the furthest away because it's behind the muscle. And if you have it over the muscle, you're obviously closer to that breast tissue and where all the milk ducts are. So it could impact you differently mm-hmm. um, when it comes to breastfeeding. And also the incision site. So um, you can get um, the incision where they put the press, breast implants actually in underneath your chest or underneath the boob area. Um, or they can do it through the armpit. So I actually had mine through the armpit. Um, which means I didn't have any knives or incisions near that breast tissue Um, and some people do and there's also um, the um, pressure from the actual breast implant depending on how big you go but if you weren't really big or the the breast implant was um, yeah quite large I guess that could put pressure on the breast um, the milk ducts um, if, if that makes sense so there's a few different factors that can possibly influence breastfeeding. But in terms of my own experience with breastfeeding, I actually had no dramas um, with Sydney, which was a delight, you know, on that first feed. And, you know, in the months after that, I had absolutely no dramas. Um, I've breastfed her for two years. Um, or actually, I did have a little mishap, though, now that I think about it. My left, and I just got so used to just dealing with it, my left breast actually lost sensation from the boob job. So to get milk out of my left boob, I needed to stimulate the right breast. Like I needed to put her on the right, or, you know, I needed to like, yeah, stimulate the right nipple to get milk coming out of there. Do you know what wow. I mean? Yeah, because, and I still don't have any um, feeling on, on my left breast. Was there any explanation for that? Well, no, it's just one of the risks you um, take when you get breast implants there yeah. can be nerve damage and it can affect things like nipple sensation and things like that isn't mm. that crazy though even with the armpit you know going in through there and i just feel like there's so many different ways people can be impacted by these surgeries it's just incredible with the yeah modern medical technology oh yeah it's amazing like no you can't even see the scar that i no. had it's just completely just looked natural they were they were nice boobs <laughs> Oh, oh, R.I.P. Yeah, yes, best <laughs> so, in peace, boobs. So let's talk about that. Yeah. At what point did you decide, okay, I probably need to start looking at getting these removed? Yeah, so that's an interesting question. Um, so for me personally, um, I've only – well, I've had symptoms basically for the last three years that have been pretty full on, um, and I didn't really think about breast plants being an issue – or relating to my symptoms until a year ago. Um, So what happened was after I finished breastfeeding Sydney or in that six months before I stopped, I started getting hives. Um, So hives are like what, you know, when you get bitten by a mosquito, you get one of those little lumps on your body. So I used to get them all the time. Um, So it started off, you know, once a month, I might've started getting some on my legs and then it just got more frequently so I'd go every you know fortnight then every week and then I started getting them every day and this would go on for months and months and months Um, and you know I had seen specialists and you know immunologists and dermatologists um, over a period of time and they all just said to me oh you know you're just an unlucky person who has this chronic eucteria I don't know what the actual scientific name is but you're just one of the people that has this condition you need to take four antihistamines a day to manage this and that was the only answer I got and I was like okay 
I'm like, but yeah, so that happened. It was pretty full on. And people um, with, well, for me, um, hives is um, a form of inflammation and it's a histamine issue. Um, so histamines yeah, build up in the body and, you know, they you sort of have lots of them when you have a lot of allergies. So if you sneeze and all that sort of thing. Um, and people with histamine issues tend to... Um, they, it's, it's just, yeah, I've, I read somewhere that people with histamine issues like really have high stress levels because it's a stress response to mm. release histamine. So they're, you know, generally, yeah, high anxiety and that because your body is in fight or flight all the time. So I had the physical itchiness of the hives plus the mental side of it as well. And because you're in fight or flight, your body is on adrenaline and you, you know, I burnt out after a while. Um, after months and months of this um so yeah that happened um and up until that point had you had any kind of history of say anxiety or mental health concerns not to the level that I was experiencing when I had Mm. hives um like I've had anxiety on and off I think most people have anxiety in some form you know since I was a teenager um but not the sort of like anxiety and stress levels that I was feeling when I had the hives. Mm. Um, I also had other symptoms of inflammation, like my hair started to fall out. Um, And when I mean fall out, like I lost so much volume. Like I don't know how to describe it, but my ponytail used to be really thick and I could tell that I lost heaps because when I was seeing it fall out, but I could just feel my ponytail getting smaller and smaller. Um, And that was going on for like a year and a half. Um, so I had all these symptoms, mystery symptoms, um, going on for a while and I wasn't sure what, what was going on. And then a member in my family, um, told, or I heard about a story of her getting her implants removed. Um, and she had heaps of complications with them. And this is the first time I heard about breast implant illness, um, which is what she termed she was experiencing, um, and she had them removed and ended up seeing a major reduction, a reduction in her symptoms. And yeah, I was just really intrigued by this whole story. And I just thought to myself, oh, maybe this could be applying to me. I'm not sure. Um, so that was like the first time I really considered it heavily. Yeah. Mm. And isn't that interesting that I think we're hearing a lot more conversation around this. And you and I were speaking before off air around being conscious not to just label something just because it's other people are experiencing these symptoms. Mm. But it's interesting that nobody raised that with you as a possibility earlier. So who did you then turn to to talk about it? Because nobody else had even put this as an option to you. I started, the first time I heard the term breast implant illness, obviously you go to Dr. Google and Google everything (laughs) you can. And you find out the worst possible outcome. Yeah, Yeah. um, but I was also guided to a Facebook group that had, I think there was about 40,000 people at the time. Um, It could be more as well. Um, And these were all women who had claimed that they've got symptoms of breast implant illness. So I used that group initially to do research um, on you know everything that I was going through to hear different stories to see if it was a valid thing um, and that's how it all started for me and then it sort of spiraled from there and I just started doing my own research and you know from the time that I heard the term breast implant illness to the time that I actually got them removed was about 18 months um, 
and I still don't like to use the term breast implant illness, but, um, and I'm not saying that I actually had breast implant illness either. I also had um, an, another factor that really influenced my decision to have them removed was also family history. So when I first had a light bulb moment about the possibility of my breast implants causing my symptoms, I then remembered, um, and I don't want to say who it is, but somebody close in my family also having complications with their breast implants and, um, you know, someone very close to me and having a lot of health issues for, you know, as they've grown older. And I then thought, oh my God, like, you know, this is, this answer or this idea has been in front of me a lot longer than I've thought, like that I've known, but I've never actually been aware of it because, you know, we choose to believe what we want to believe. Do you know what I mean? We only look for stories that validate our own, our thoughts. Um, so, you know, I could have had this person in my life for 20 years who have, who's been, you know, been sick. Um, and you know, I know their story, but I never really clicked onto the fact that, you know, it could apply to me. So there was that having that family history as well of somebody who had issues with breast implants and then getting them removed. Um, it was actually two women. So there's three women in my family who had all had them removed because of health issues. Um, Isn't that interesting? So I had that as well. That really, yeah, was a big, um, big factor in me getting mine removed. Yeah. So, so what were next steps for you from there? Because obviously that's a, a massive decision because you mm. made a huge decision and let's be fair, a financial investment to get these. Yeah, they were eleven thousand dollars. Like yeah. I paid, I paid for them in cash too. Like I saved up my money to. <laughs> I had money there, and I anyway. That was just a crazy time of my life. But yeah, it is. It is a big investment. Yeah. Yeah. So then it's another big investment to mm. get them removed mm. so how did you start where did you go well like I said um it was the Facebook group where I got all the information and doing my own research because I need to do that to get the answers um but also having that family member um who had been through the process you know an, a year or two earlier than me um sort of having that guiding light made it a lot easier for me um so I knew what surgeons to contact um, I also contacted some on my own through recommendations in the Facebook group and also just connecting with other women who had been through it along the way um, and just, yeah, reaching out to surgeons, getting quotes, talking to them about the procedure um, and the possibility of, you know, the symptoms relating to breast implants. Oh, my God, the wasp is there again. <laughs> it's it's just, just trying to be cool. <laughs> just what a linger up. Um, yeah, so mm. did you at any point during this process of contacting and reaching out, mm. did you go back to your original surgeon? So I didn't. Through my own research, I made a judgment that he probably wouldn't be – I don't think he believes in breast implant illness based on what I had heard, so I didn't even go there because mm -hmm. there's a lot of plastic surgeons who don't even want to hear about it. It's just not on their radar. They think it's a sensationalised made-up term um, and obviously there's a lot of surgeons that do hear the, you know the stories of these women that are actually going through something but I didn't bother with him because I knew or I shouldn't say I knew because I don't know but I assumed based on what I heard that he just would have just said come on no just wasn't interested yeah, yeah. and that's a hard enough decision in mm. itself 
than to set yourself up to potentially have that conversation and be disappointed. You know, that's a judgment call you've got to make. Exactly. And, like, he did a great job. Like, in terms of physically, the boobs looked amazing. I had no complications. He did an amazing job. So, you know, even to make the decision to possibly get them out at the time, like, was huge because there was – physically, there was nothing wrong with them. Like, Mm. I loved my boobs. Like, I didn't want to (laughs) say bye (laughs) to my boobs I love them, and I think my, you know, my husband loved them. We all love them. Um, <laughs> like family sounds a bit, family. sounds a bit crazy. Um, so, you know, for me to actually do something so dramatic, like you mm. probably give some perspective on how shit I was feeling, bad I was feeling um, at the time, and you know, I felt like there was no escape, and I was literally looking for a way to get out of that um and I feel like my hives did send me a little bit batty and make me do lots of crazy things like you know I went on a journey a natural health journey before I made that decision to take them out um you know I tried diets and juice fasting I did veganism oh I did everything I saw every sort of practitioner under the sun like naturopath chiropractor I don't know, whatever there is, like shamans and everything because, oh, spiritual leaders, I was like, what's going on inside of me? Like I was just opening up to all sorts of treatments before I went, okay, maybe I'm going to really have to do this because I was trying to avoid it. I didn't want to get rid of them, but it, yeah, I, I needed, I just, yeah, I needed to. Yeah, yeah. And I think you've got, you know, we underestimate just how much of a sense we have with our own bodies. And it's mm. like you said before, you know, you'll always seek for stories that validate how you're feeling. And mm. I think we do that in all sorts of, you know, situations. You actually cancelled your appointment a number of times or your surgery date a few times. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I cancelled, I made the appointment and I got a week or the first time, well, I did cancel, let's say, I cancelled it three times. Um, I got to, to the week before the first time I was meant to do my operation and I just pulled out because lucky with my surgeon, I didn't have to pay any fees until the day before operation. Um, so, yeah, it, just the sheer fear, I guess, at the time of... I was completely torn. Like you, I felt physically horrible and I just wanted to get them out just to feel better, even though, I, you know, there's still no definitive answer whether the breast implants were... Um, causing me the symptoms so it was a bit of a gamble I knew it was a gamble and you know being torn about that and then you know also wanting to keep my boobs and not have to go through that whole you know body image thing and trying to regain confidence looking different adjusting all those sort of things um, and just keeping my boobs the way they were it was huge Mm. so that's why I cancelled a couple of times because I got scared. You do. You get scared. It's the biggest decision, like one of the biggest for me that I've made in a long time. Absolutely. Mm. And it's not one that you can just easily change back again. Exactly. And, you know, it costs money. It's time off. Like you have to have up to six weeks off. So if you've got little kids, you need you need help with that. I needed hands-on help for two weeks um you know and all that sort of thing so it's 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 a big massive decision for Mm. anyone to make so let's talk a bit more about that Mm. financially what kind of cost did you have to outlay so there's a couple of options when it comes to removing breast implants so you can go the cosmetic surgeon route 
um, and that's what most people do. Or you can go the breast cancer surgeon route, which is not necessarily a cosmetic procedure. Um, so at first I got a quote from a cosmetic surgeon and that was to have them removed and also have a lift. Um, and that started at $5,500. Um, and he was a recommended surgeon in Brisbane and yeah, went through the motions with him and you know, I was, it was good. And then um, I looked at the a surgery with a breast cancer surgeon and they basically specialize in you know helping people that have had breast cancer and mastectomies and things like that um, it's not cosmetic though so they don't do any lifts they just pull the implants out and then sew you back up um, and that is a significantly lower cost um, and you also are eligible for a medicare rebate so for me personally, the surgery was $3,000 minus my Medicare rebate. So it was $1,800 um, that was taken off and I only had to pay $1,200 plus my hospital cover and the anesthesis bill. So it was actually quite cheap for me. Um, but not many people know that that's an option. So mm. obviously since sharing my story about explant, I've had a lot of people messaging me um, about you know where do you start and... And most of them are thinking cosmetic surgery first, but you know there is that option where you can see a breast cancer surgeon, and it will be significantly cheaper if you are not looking to get a lift and a reconstruction after. Mm. And, and I think it is all about that individual decision and your own journey. But mm. even to open that conversation for people to be aware of those mm. options is huge. Exactly. Because we don't talk about that. I would mm. never have thought prior to hearing your story that that would be an option. Yeah. So. It worked out well. And the lady that did my surgery is just, just so lovely and warm. And it was just, yeah, really good experience. And I wasn't worried about, obviously, the aesthetics of my boobs. I just wanted them out. And mm-hmm. um, I might go back and get a lift later, but I want to be 100% sure I'm not having any more children before I do that or mess with my boobs again. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. Now, no complications from a physical perspective? After the explant? Yes. Um, no, everything has been, oh, I've been blessed. Like I was really blessed with a smooth recovery. I think, I don't know if it was because I was in good condition beforehand in terms of my fitness. Um, but I was bouncing around back at CrossFit five weeks after, um, oh, my, <laughs> I was back, I was back in the gym. Cause that was the biggest, another big decision for me. I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to have to have six weeks off training. How's that going to work? Um, but no complications everything has been really good um amazing yeah i've been really blessed on that in in terms of that part of it Mm. and let's talk about mentally because that's equally as important Mm. you touched on before it's a Mm. it's an adjustment right because you know your clothes changed the way you look changed how have you transitioned yeah so mentally um i think you need for me okay let's start with me personally um it's been up and down but you know what, I'm, I have no regrets. Um, and I actually don't mind my new boobs. I, I, it's actually quite liberating not having a massive chest and they don't even look that bad, honestly. And when I say, when I say that bad, (laughs) like I'm obviously comparing them to, you know, having these perfect, like, you know, structured boobs compared to what they are now. So Obviously, there's less volume and less shape to them, but they still are normal-looking boobs. Like, and considering I didn't have a lift, you know, I'm really happy with the result. Um, 
And obviously there's good days and bad days. Um, and you know, some day, and it all depends on stress levels and anxiety and whatever you've got going on on your plate. But you know, some days you look in the mirror and you're already upset and you're just like, Oh, you know, you get upset when you see them. Yeah. And I, I say that, but then, you know, on other days I'm like, yeah, like I love my boobs. This is awesome. And it's just up and down with everything. Um, but I think before you take the plunge to do something like that, it's, you really need to build up the mindset mm-hmm. and, you know, be aware that things will be different and, you know, but you will get through it and it's not actually going to be as bad as you think it is. Like I tend to just think the worst case scenario with everything and, you know, it's actually not going to be that bad. You'll get to the other side and you'll just be like, wow, it's all done this is the new me. I love me. And that's all that matters. I've got my health. Absolutely. Mm. How have you found the symptoms? Like, is there, are there hives anymore? Are they all gone mentally? Do you think that's reduced? So in terms of my hives, um, it's, I believe that it took me a long time to get in the situation that I was in, in terms of my symptoms. And I don't think there'll ever be an overnight fix. Um, so I wasn't actually expecting big results in terms of how I was feeling physically straight away. Mm-hmm. I'm really going to give myself maybe a year or two to really assess the impact and whether the surgery's made a difference in my life. So I still do get hives, um, but it's still really early days. Mm-hmm. Um, so That's I only just recent. I yeah. only got them out in November or October. Actually, it was October I got them out. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a bit of a journey to go there. I still need to do like a full-on detox and cleanse from the surgery, which I will do like a little program that I'll come up with and, you know, do some colonics and fasting and all that sort of stuff um, to really heal. And I need to get into more infrared saunas and go through a bit of a protocol there. And I might focus on that for the next year, just doing that regularly um, and then assess like where I'm at. Um but you know what? Still no regrets. 100% no regrets at all. It was the best thing for me at the time. Um, and yeah, I just, I'm really happy. I love mm. that. I, I love that it's been a good decision for you because that's mm. the most important thing. You know, everybody's got their own judgments on certain things. Mm. And I think if you can come back to yourself and how you're feeling, that's really important. Did you engage any kind of mental health professional during the decision-making process or afterwards, like a psychologist or a counsellor? That's so funny you say that. I probably should have. It's actually funny times. I (laughs) joked to my husband and said, I don't think I'm mentally stable enough to be making a decision (laughs) like this. Um, Just as a joke. Um, No, I didn't. I just, I followed my intuition and I think I let my intuition guide me the whole time. I just phased out what anyone else's opinions were I was just looking at what was relative and real for me and mm-hmm. focusing on that and you know for me the more I listen to my intuition the louder it becomes and the more I feel guided and you know um I just knew that was something I had to do and um you know after cancelling a few times uh, another reason why I knew that I just had to do it was because you know every time I cancelled I would wake up having panic attacks and anxiety dreams about not going through the procedure and that's how I knew like you know I just had to do it because just no option for me um because yeah yeah isn't that interesting like 
there's always something in yourself that points mm. you in the right direction. You just have to be ready to listen to it sometimes. Exactly. And sometimes we're too busy in our heads or too busy with life to actually hear it. But we all have the answers within us if we choose to listen to it. Like we all know what, you know, what is right for us. Mm. Speaking of which, you've had a bit of a transition coming into the new year and you're doing a few things on your own path with health and fitness and do you feel like that's come from this experience that you've then had a bit more clarity on what you want to do? Um, there's like I've been into the health like the health and fitness journey that I'm currently on at the moment has always stemmed from some sort of symptom or health issue or something that I'm going through or it could be from seeing you know people in my family going through certain physical things that have impacted them or health issues and I've just always been on a mission to live the healthiest version of myself through proper nutrition and training and that's where the passion comes from Um, and you know it's something that I want to focus more on doing and I'm studying to be a personal trainer at the moment which is basically the first step in me taking that journey to be able to help others on their journey because I have learned so many things along the way on my journey you know with what I've gone through and it's not just my journey um, or what I've been through sorry Um, it's you know my daughter had issues when she was born she was born with really bad food allergies and eczema and still struggles with those sort of things and we've you know treated and healed her naturally and things like that so along the last 10 years I've I've learned so many different things um, and seen how being healthy can really have a positive impact on them and yeah that's where I am now that's Mm. exciting it is exciting yeah I think it's amazing for anybody who can turn a passion into a career or a way to help other people I just think that's we're so consumed all the time by who you should be in terms of you know going to uni and doing certain things and it can take some time to really find that part of you that that resonates on that different level as opposed to just making money yeah a hundred percent well it's taken me like all of my 20s to figure out what is it that I really want to do in life and Mm -hmm. you know I think it's because I got caught up having I had my first baby at 20 Um, and you know I've studied so many different things like along the way I was like marketing and construction I've studied psychology counseling um, workplace health and safety I've studied so many things I know I don't have a life (laughs) I didn't have a life Um, trying on all these different hats of you know and I had that mindset that I couldn't live well, I couldn't transition, um, transfer my passion into an income or have a career around it. Um, mm-hmm. But now I'm 30 and my kids are a bit older and I'm like, you know what, I'm just going for it and yeah. trying to manifest that and make a career out of it. And, you know, thankfully using the community I've already built online to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Mm. Which is awesome. So awesome. Mm. Speaking of which, in terms of the fact that you did have your daughter so early and then mm. you've had Sydney, so you've had a bit of a transition when it comes to motherhood I'm a huge advocate of doing things for yourself and carving out that time just for you regardless of what that looks like and I like to call it the me before mummy so what is it that you do to reconnect with the Claudia pre-kids or even just to step away from that mum hat take it off for a little bit yeah 100% um it's definitely hitting the gym or going like climbing a mountain getting out in nature or going for a swim at the beach and connecting on that level 
um, I have to do it. I just, this is my one hour or two hours just for me and it just makes me feel so much better so I can come home and show up and be a better wife, a better mum and have that time with myself as well. Yeah, I love that. That's so great. Uh, you and your mountains always makes me want to come back and climb mountains. Oh. Not in this state, but you know. Mount Coolum, it's so beautiful up there. There's a, a lot of other beautiful mountains around the Sunshine Coast. The Glasshouse Mountains is Mount Gungun and Tibragagan, um, and a few others in Mount Pomona. But I always just stick to the one because I just know how long it's going to take me. Yes, yeah. So I'm like, I'm on a mission. I've got a certain amount of time I need to get it done but there are a lot of beautiful mountains to climb around here which is awesome definitely Mm. definitely is before we wrap up Mm. I just want to throw um, to you in terms of advice for anybody who might be considering an expat journey or wanting to get more information what would your advice be or any tips or things that you would have potentially done differently my biggest advice for anyone who might be worried about their breast implants or you know, maybe they're really along on the decision-making to wanting to get them out, um, is just try and take or ignore the noise out there and look at what is real for you in terms of your journey, your symptoms. Um, I know for me along the way, just like in the Facebook group for breast implant illness, for example, it's so easy to get caught up in other people's stories and other people's experiences and trying to relate them to what you're going through and you just get overwhelmed and then you start worrying about things that maybe have nothing to do with you and it can cause and waste so much energy. Um, So my biggest advice would be just to focus on your own journey, what is right for you um, and what is going on for you in terms of your experience um, and also connecting with other women if you can who have been through that experience and ask them questions and I think that's the biggest reason why I shared my journey because along the way um, there were so many people who helped me with that decision to finally take the plunge and do it um, I had a little support team it was like three or four ladies I connected with and they were you know, just counselling me and answering my questions and it was just the the best thing. So, you know, I hope through sharing my journey I've been able to open the doors up for women to be able to reach out and ask questions if they need to. And, you know, I've had a lot of um, questions online, which is really good and um, it's just, yeah, just find that support network. Mm. Mm. I think that's huge. And being so open and vulnerable about your own journey really does help people because you can read Dr. Google and all the symptoms, but it's nice to know that somebody's been in the same space as you, potentially feeling the same things you are, and has come out the other side. And there's such huge power in that storytelling. Yeah, and I just want to take the moment to also acknowledge the fact that, you know, there's a lot of people out there who don't have issues with breast implants, Mm -hmm. you know, there's probably equally more of more people who don't have any issues there is only a small percentage who have issues um and i don't want to be worrying anybody who's got implants um you know if you don't need to worry don't worry if you don't have symptoms enjoy them um, love them and you know just keep going um ahead so yeah absolutely really great point and again you know as we touched on earlier it's all about the individual Mm. and even if you do have symptoms it doesn't necessarily mean that there's they're relevant to the implants so it's it's always good to just be educated and have an open mind yeah 100 Mm. 
Well, thank you to the beautiful Claudia and Natasha for joining me today. I will pop all of her details in the show notes so you can connect with her over on social media if you haven't already. But I really appreciate you being so open and honest and for sharing your story with us. Thanks for having me. Thank you. One of the things that I absolutely love about doing this podcast is just how much information that I get exposed to throughout these conversations. I honestly can say that I have probably limited information when it comes to breast implants, but particularly explants and what happens with that and and the ramifications that are revolved around that. And I think unless something's relevant to you, quite often we don't think about it, but it's amazing just how many people it impacts because you know, in this day and age, a lot of people have had plastic surgery or something of the like. So it's really great to get an understanding in terms of what can happen and what their process is. Now, a few things that I took away from the conversation today and probably the biggest one that resonated with me is that it's a huge decision. It's like anything, any type of surgery, whether you're getting implants, whether you're getting explants, it takes a lot to process. So you have to make sure that you've mentally prepared. As Claudia touched on, she went through quite a journey to get to the point where she actually executed on her decision. And that's okay because you need to be informed, you need to be educated from the right sources, but it's okay to take your time with such a decision. As she mentioned, There are a number of different ways if you are looking at getting particularly breast explants that you can either look at going through a cosmetic surgeon if you want to get a lift or if there's anything else that you want to fix in that area or you can also look at a breast cancer surgeon. Now having the ability to look at those two different options depending on your needs is huge and the fact that there may be Medicare rebates available is definitely something to look into but again depends on your own situation. As Claudia touched on, it's important to not expect big results straight away, particularly if you had your implants for quite some time. If there were symptoms that were relevant to the implants or some kind of associated illness, it took time for that to impact your body. So you need to be cautious to give it time to repair itself. Don't expect them to come out and then be fixed straight away. It's all a process and a journey. Speaking of which, you need to focus on your own journey and what is right for you. Just because somebody else has similar symptoms to you or is having the same concerns does not mean that you need to end up at the same decision and does not mean that their path is the same as yours. Make sure, again, that you're talking to people and getting educated and finding information from the right sources so that you can make an informed decision that's based on Now, if you would like to reach out to Claudia or follow more of her journey, you can find her over on Instagram at at ClaudiaNatasha underscore. I will pop the details of her social media and her website in the show notes so that you can connect with her further if you would like to ask any questions or just follow her journey. Now on to you, my friend. I am going to give you a little bit of homework. If you have not done so already, I urge you to carve out a snippet of time to give back to yourself and the me before mummy. It can be a few minutes or a few hours, just an opportunity to reconnect with that person that you were pre-children and give back to yourself. If you would like to share it with myself and other mamas, you can do so over on social media by using the hashtag the me before mummy and tagging myself 
at Mummy Republic. But in the meantime, remember to take a breath, take some time for yourself and know that you're doing a damn good job. Thank you again so much for joining me. I cannot wait to share more stories with you. So if you haven't done so already, make sure that you click on that subscribe button so that you don't miss a thing. Thanks again. Lots of love and I'll see you next week.